Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. Well, the Lord is here tonight, and uh, that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? God is a good God. He's a big God. He's a great God. And I don't know about you, but I run out of words to say when I think about his goodness. Brother Wright, I I try to think of as many as I can. I get to the end of the list. And uh, I just wish, I long so much for more words to say good things about God. And it's then when I can't find them with my mind in my tongue of English, it's right then that the Lord reminds me that I can keep going by moving into the Spirit and do what we've been talking about for several months here and pray in the Holy Ghost and, and just continue to lift God up and call Him great. I don't know what I'm saying at that point because I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm praying in other tongues. But God is using me to pray uh, in a realm that's so much higher than what I can do with my own mind and my own tongue. Amen? I think that's a great thing. Well, we're going to go to part two tonight of understanding intercessory prayer. Uh, We laid the groundwork for it last time a few weeks ago. So tonight is following up on that with part two. And um, I want to read some, uh, I want to read something that is very, uh, I found very exciting and very revelatory. It made me think, you know, uh, I wish that everybody who comes to Calvary would understand this what this article that I'm about to read is trying to get across. And I think you'll know what I mean by the time I get through reading it. So let's dive into it. Uh, It's divided into two parts, and the first part is the dryness of cisterns. How many have ever heard the word cistern? Now, that's not the corollary to brethren. You don't have the brethren and the cisterns. A cistern is a uh, container or really it's usually in the ground, I guess it doesn't have to be, uh, for holding water. It's the water supply for uh, many people around the world if that's uh, how they have to store their water. They don't have a source of water that is replenishing as opposed to a well. Okay, a cistern is, it's like a well except A well has its own source of water coming up out of the earth. But a cistern has to have water put in it. And then when the water is depleted, it's all used up, and somebody has to come along, put more water in it. So I'd rather, uh, right off the bat, we can see how I'd rather, for my own water supply, if I can only choose between one of those two, I'd rather have a well than a cistern, right? I'm reminded of years ago when... Brother Jeff uh, would come to town with his water tank on his truck. And uh, the first time I saw it, I said, what are you doing? Now, I can't remember the conversation we had, but I'm sure it went something like this. He said, oh, that's my water tank. I'm going to the wherever it was over here on Toll Road or somewhere on the east side of town to get water. Is that where you went? 
The reservoir, okay. That makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, he was going to the reservoir to fill up this big, huge plastic tank that filled up almost the entire bed of his pickup truck uh, so that he could take that water back home. And I don't know what he did with it there, but it was put somewhere where his family could use it. I guess it was hooked up to the water system of the house. Oh, my goodness. Just in case you, I'm going to let you say that yourself in the microphone. I had two teenage daughters, and they would run the well dry. <laughs> okay, so you did have a well. But because of the makeup of your family, uh, it wasn't enough water supplied by the well. Okay, so now we know uh, the difference between a cistern and a well. Uh, some people are chattering, and others are swapping stories while the children skip impishly through the aisles or after service starts. Uh, have their head stuck in a book or their iPad or some other electronic device. Young people zealously prepare precious strips of paper on which to smuggle their notes across the congregation during service. Sorrowfully, somewhere in the background from a Sunday school room, a faithful few send up a series of prayerful petitions to gain a belated spiritual victory. It's Sunday night. Just pretend it's back in the days when we used to have Sunday night church. It's Sunday night. The wells and the cisterns have gathered. It's service time, and the pastor, together with the wells, dutifully set out to produce some living water. Yet the priming of the few faithful wells dulls his enthusiasm because, to his helpless dismay, he observes that all the painfully gained precious substance trickles only a few feet before splattering into the cavity of a gaping cistern that personally produces nothing. The steps of the church remain void by those who prefer spiritual feasting to spiritual conquest. This tragic picture demands an honest answer to an honest question. Of what lasting value are a few wells to a lost world if their most extreme effort in production is completely and selfishly devoured by cisterns within their own sanctuary walls. In other words, the cisterns take up the precious water that the wells produce, so there's not enough for the lost. That's that paragraph in a nutshell. Then we have part two, the wells. The renewing of the Holy Ghost is to the church the watchword of life or death. Renewing brings a sense of emergency to the church. Stricken saints will moan at the altars as though they had never even known God at all before. Young and old in the congregation lay upon their faces in travail, groaning out spiritual utterance, expressing pain and grief at the condition of lost souls around them. Seeking hungry saints fill hours with lonely, tearful prayers. Men leave their jobs and come home early because of the crushing burden of prayer. Ladies abandon their washings to fall beside the couch, tearfully battling to gain a new place in God. Saints with tear-stained cheeks look for a closet of prayer. It's happening. Fresh testimonies are bursting forth. Reports of healings sweep in. The entire church is abruptly caught up in a vast feeling of revival. 
No one is talking about the good old days anymore, for everybody is consciously aware of the present power and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Something new is happening. Out of the individual tabernacles of the Holy Ghost issue bubbling springs, merging to form a sweeping river. Those we could not convince before, though evading us personally, are unexpectedly finding themselves sloshing through Holy Ghost water they did not ask for. Whereas they could easily withstand the onslaught of our verbal bombast or a pastor begging for people to pray, they have managed to dispel up until now each convicting message and sermon before now. Now they cannot cope with that living water that now seeps under their doors, flooding bedrooms and kitchens. They find no rest at night and are strangely absent from their places at dinner time. The river has enveloped them. Meanwhile, among the saints, chronic illnesses and afflictions are miraculously disappearing, and a greater percentage of folks prayed for are healed. Testimony services yield up exciting reports such as, Yesterday, my mother and father listened for the first time to my testimony. And my husband is coming to church Sunday to find God. The song service is filled with the deep, rich flow of the obvious, obvious power of God's special, hot anointing. The pastor's message is only minutes old when a young man rudely interrupts by screaming, I've got to be saved now. And the molested service comes to a screeching halt as men all over the auditorium repent, women weep, saints team into prayer groups all over the sanctuary where sinners that have been invited are now crying out to God. The enduring virus of infectious faith contagiously races through the congregation, dispelling doubt and encouraging unpremeditated spiritual recklessness. Chronic seekers have easily received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, causing spiritual riots at congested altars. The water has overflowed the hiding place. That's a quote directly from Isaiah 28. And the church has found its apostolic unction. Revival has come. Do you know what the difference is between these two pictures? It's one word, prayer. That's the difference between stagnation and renewal. It's prayer. The difference between status quo, that means things staying the way they are, and revival is prayer. Um. I had an experience along with my wife, as did several other hundred young people, uh, early in our life when we were attending Bible college in the city of Jackson, Mississippi. And um, one Wednesday night, the pastor, Brother Tommy Kraft, came to the pulpit when it was his turn uh, to take the service to introduce the special speaker for that night. And uh, he said, we are going to uh, have the treat of the ministry of this very special 
gentleman, a preacher by the name of Brother Billy Cole. How many of you have heard of Brother Billy Cole? Okay, at least half. He's uh, gone on to be with the Lord now. He died a few years back. But his messages are still on the Internet, on YouTube, uh, and you can hear uh, some of those messages. I was privileged for the first time that Wednesday night, uh, both Charlotte and I, to hear him in person. And then uh, he was back again the next night on Thursday night. And his teaching in that two-night series was on the subject of intercessory prayer. And we were introduced, at least I was, introduced to a concept that I had heard about. I'd heard the words intercessory prayer before, but really knew nothing about it. And Brother Cole proceeded to, in that two nights, not only explain it in detail, uh, he called up some scriptures that I'm about to read and began to explain the concept of intercessory prayer. But he also, at the end or in the second half of both of those services, uh, took the congregation into a time of not just learning about it, but doing it. And I, for the first time in my life, I had heard intercessory prayer uh, participated in by an individual here or there, my pastor's wife or some of the ladies back home in our little church in Memphis that we came, that I came from. But I'd never, ever known it on this wise. It changed my life, as it did several hundred people that night, several hundred uh, Bible college students. I want to go to uh, the Scriptures and lead you through some of the Scriptures that Brother Cole spoke of and read that night and lead you through some of the things, the concepts that he introduced to me that evening. And then we're going to go by way of YouTube to the screens and we're going to watch uh, or listen to and watch Brother Billy Cole in one of his um, uh, sessions on intercessory prayer. He does it far better than I could. By the way, in case you don't know about Brother Cole, of course, again, he's already gone on to be with the Lord, but he was one of the most prolific, I don't like to use the word successful, prolific uh, evangelist in the oneness movement that the church has ever known, at least in modern times, in the last 100, 150 years. Brother Cole went to, uh, at, first of all, as a missionary to the nations of Thailand, and, uh, and it seems like there was one other, uh, uh, one other country that he spent quite a few years in, he and his wife, as missionaries, saw great revival there. We're going to hear him talk a little bit about that in a moment in the video. But uh, he also was instrumentally used by God some years later after he came off the uh, foreign field in going to the nation of Ethiopia. And if you haven't heard of the revival that took place in Ethiopia several years ago, it's been 20 to 30 years ago now, uh, then you need to read about that and let somebody tell you about that. It's absolutely fascinating. It was uh, in Ethiopia where this great revival, Brother Cole would go and he would preach. And after a year or two, they learned how to organize it and they began to be successful in getting thousands upon thousands of people to come from all over Ethiopia and other countries round about. And so on the day that the revival started, there would be 
100,000, 150,000 or more people gathered in one place. Uh, you can imagine the kind of uh, PA system they tried to put together so that everyone could hear. For It stretched for hundreds and hundreds of yards, the congregation did. And just to kind of bring uh, that to a close, let me just wind it up by saying uh, tens of thousands of people received the Holy Ghost in one day. I don't know if you understand what that means or not, but let me, let me explain it to you. That means that in our lifetime, in this generation that we live in right now, we have seen the church has experienced greater revival than they did in the book of Acts. If you're considering just the factor of numbers, numbers alone, on the day of Pentecost, it said there were about 3,000 added. Uh, a chapter later, it said 5,000. And then after that, it said multitudes. Uh, there wasn't even a number given. But this revival in Ethiopia, they're not doing it anymore, but they continued it once a year, every year for several years, maybe up to a decade. I don't remember how many. But there were hundreds of thousands of people that received the Holy Ghost within a week's time. So uh, it, it was really fascinating. And this man, Brother Cole, was able to facilitate, be the human vessel. Now, we know God did it, but God has to use us. God uses human beings as his instrument, as his conduit through which he flows. Paul said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. This man, Brother Cole, was humble enough, and just imagine how humble, how filled with humility a man would have to be for God to use them like that, to see hundreds of thousands of people receive the Holy Ghost. That ministry of seeing great numbers receive the Holy Ghost began when he was a missionary in the nation of Thailand. And uh, let me take you to a scripture that he taught us uh, just young, green around the gills, Bible college students that night. Uh, it was 40 years ago now. Daniel chapter 10, verse 2. We're going to take uh, some, uh, some things from this story about Daniel, the same Daniel that was thrown in the lion's den. Remember him? It says, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. Now, note the number three full weeks. That's how many days? 21 days. So he went into a prayer meeting. The next verse says, I ate no pleasant bread. Neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth. Neither did I anoint myself at all. They used oil, olive oil, as a cleansing agent back then. Uh, Till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Uh, so for 21 days, Daniel went into a prayer meeting. Let's skip down to verse 10. Behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day, and this is important, notice this, from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before God, Thy words were heard, and I am come for, the word for can also mean because of 
thy word. So let's look at this verse. The angel here tells Daniel, the first day you started praying, three weeks ago, 21 days ago, I uh, was sent. God sent me on assignment to come. He said, I am come for thy words because of your prayer. Don't ever think that because God delays answering your prayer that he's not going to answer it. Daniel had to wait three weeks. And, and I'm sure for those three weeks, it's not in the Bible, but I, I can almost guarantee you. Daniel had no idea or evidence whatsoever that God was even hearing his prayer. He just prayed. Another note, lesson we can learn from that. Just keep praying. No matter what happens or what doesn't happen, just keep praying. So, uh, verse 13, he says, I'm come. I was sent three weeks ago, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me all of those 21 days. I was delayed in reaching you. I was sent on day one when you first began to pray in answer to your prayer. But the prince of Persia withstood me. But then he says, Lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now, we could go into a long, detailed uh, dissertation of, of, of analyzing this chapter and picking it apart and learn some things and I could take some time to really make it clear to you but I'm going to rush over this and just give you the basic concept. I think you've probably heard it before. I know I've taught it here before a couple of times. Uh, this angel was sent in answer to Daniel's prayer but he was stopped. He was hindered physically from going to where Daniel was by somebody called the prince of the kingdom of Persia. So, uh, the, the, the messenger, the angel, the good angel, the angel of God, was sent by God, but the prince of the nation of Persia withstood him. What is that talking about? It's talking about the man who was uh, sent to uh, Daniel to answer his prayer, give him the message from God, was an angel. So was the prince of Persia. That was a demonic angel. That was one of the fallen angels. One of the one-third of the angels, the Bible says, fell from heaven in the rebellion that Lucifer led eons of time before time even existed prior to that. And I've talked about this in detail about the existence of the spirit realm that exists outside of, but in parallel to this natural physical realm that we are a part of. Uh, Brother Cole taught us that night when he was introducing this concept to us. He said that for every political entity, every city and county and state and country and continent, there are corresponding people or, or, or entities or angels the fallen angels of hell 
that are assigned to those political entities. So Mount Vernon has, uh, what, a mayor? In the political, physical realm, we go to the polls and we uh, elect a mayor, right? There is a demon spirit in Satan's army, in his hierarchy of uh, the generals and then the lieutenants and the captains, and then you, you go on down in Satan's army to the corporals, the sergeants, and the, the privates. Uh, Brother Cloud was a buck private. He can tell us what all that's about. Uh, there are privates in Satan's army. And there are leaders in Satan's army that correspond to the political, geographical boundaries of this planet. So there is a prince uh, of Persia. Now, Persia is what later was renamed as uh, Iraq. It's either Iran or Iraq. I can't remember which one. But just as Iraq, we'll call it Iraq, uh, had back then a king who sat on the throne, he was the king of Persia, uh, so in the spirit realm, in the atmosphere, in the heavenlies, there was a prince of Persia that had been given authority, spiritual authority, over the nation of Persia spiritually. There is a president of the United States politically in the natural, and there is a demon spirit in the kingdom of Satan that corresponds to that place, who, a demon who's really high up in Satan's army that is over the entire country of the United States. For every governor of every state, there is a demon spirit in Satan's army. And these demon spirits have power in the spirit realm. And I've talked about how closely the two are aligned, the spirit realm with the natural realm. Uh, when you get home tonight or when you have time, I'm not going to take the time to read it, but Ezekiel chapter 28 bears this out again. It talks about the prince of Tyrus, and, and uh, Ezekiel uh, was sent with a word from God to speak to the prince of Tyrus. And it's talking about the king of Tyrus, who was a real literal king, of this city of Tyrus and the prince of Tyrus, which was the demon spirit, the demon in charge of the kingdom or the city of Tyrus. So Daniel said, uh, or Daniel was told that from the first time he began to pray for 21 days, God answered his prayer and sent an angel, but that angel was withstood by the demon spirit who was in charge of Persia. And then he says later on in the chapter, uh, the prince of Grisha is going to come against him. So the demon spirit in charge of the country of Greece was going to get in on the fight because he's, he let him know. He said, Michael, your chief prince, Michael is one of the three angels of God in the Bible that's named by name. They're the only three, Michael and Gabriel and who's the third one? Mentioned by name. Lucifer. That's right. The devil himself. So this was a pretty tough war going on in the heavenlies because Michael was called in. In fact, Michael, you find throughout the scriptures, typically fought for the Jews, for God's people in the natural. Okay, so I'm going to have to hurry on. But it's a very 
uh, significant concept that we need to understand. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We don't fight this battle in fighting with bombs and guns or as they fought back in Bible days with swords and spears. We fight with spiritual weapons, the major one being prayer. So what about this thing called intercessory prayer? Uh, we talked a lot about it last time. If you've missed any of the lessons, then you're going to miss out and not completely understand the concept of what I'm trying to teach you. So be sure and get the lessons that you've missed in this whole series, especially the last couple about intercessory prayer. So when we pray, things happen. The Lord said, Jesus said, mountains are moved when you pray. So now we're going to go uh, back several decades to the year 1990 to a conference called Because of the Times, uh, which was started out as a preacher's conference. Uh, it has mushroomed into uh, now you have to get tickets to uh, go to it. It's so popular. It's held in January every year at the Pentecostals of Alexandria in the city of Alexandria, Louisiana. And they have... Uh, Heavy hitter, I shouldn't use that word, famous preachers in the UPC and out of the UPC preach at this meeting every year. We're going to go back to 1990 because of the times, and we're just going to watch about a 20 or 22-minute video of Brother Billy Cole talking about this concept of intercessory prayer. And I think you'll find it interesting. I hope you find it fascinating, and I know you'll find it educational. Let's watch it, Brother Terry, now. <laughs> Takes about a mile and a half in Chicago from one plane to the other. Amen. But one of the greatest strengths of my ministry was my wife's intercession. And we did not know how to govern that gift and anointing that was in her. She would pray for hours in the Spirit. And it was always she would weep for that that was not accomplished. She had a little trouble rejoicing in what was accomplished. I remember one service in Indonesia. We preached and 75 people got the Holy Ghost in that one single service. 75 people. One service. But there was 125 seekers. And when my wife went home, back to our little place, pitiful little place to sleep I mean it was pitiful she prayed the whole night long for the 50 that didn't get it I remember when we were going there we was in a hotel in Singapore and she had laid on the floor of that hotel for four hours in the spirit making intercession because we had learned that we had to conquer princes and devils. The scriptures teaches us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. That's an old English word for a parish or a county. Government. Principalities. Powers. The word powers is an old English word for national authority. In England, they don't say the Queen of England. They say the powers that be. And they speak of national authority. It says principalities, powers, world, darkness of this world, 
you have county, nation, and world, and then wickedness in high places. It would seem that satanic powers follow physical, known, political boundaries. And we have learned through experience and through the Word of God that when you cross a political boundary, you have to reconquer the local spiritual system that is there. You have to take control of it. Amen. And until you do, you can pass out thousands of tracts. And maybe one or two will get saved. Maybe they won't. But when you conquer the prince, when you conquer the prince, when you take authority over the prince of that area, and I don't have time to explain to you why I say that. It happened to me many years ago in Thailand. And the Lord told me, he said, I give you power over the prince of the nation of Thailand. I had no concept of what that meant whatsoever. But immediately we had great revival. And revival swept through that land. And up until that time, hardly anyone had got the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so we were moving from one nation to another. And we were in Singapore in a hotel making that preparation. And she had been on the floor in intercession for four hours. And I remember that I shook her. And I had enough understanding then to know that this was somehow affecting her body. The Apostle Paul said, death, death worketh in us that you might have life. And when you're making intercession, Sister Megan, death is working in your body. Your body is dying. That's the reason why it's so important to be able to relate to the joy of the Lord. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's important for an intercessor to be able to relate to shouting and praising the Lord. That you can preserve your health. Because when you're worshiping and praising and dancing, your body is being healed. But when you're in intercession, your body is dying. And I shook her and stopped her. And I said, Shirley, you've got to stop. You're going to destroy your health. And I'll never forget it. As long as I live, she looked up to me and said, Billy, my chest is so full of pain that I cannot get up. And I picked her up and laid her on the bed. And she continued her prayer until she felt relief and fell off to sleep. The missionaries in Indonesia in those days had had 35 people get the Holy Ghost in two years' time. And in the next 21 days, we've seen 657 people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm not bragging on myself. I want to make a point. And while we were there, suddenly something snapped within Shirley's body. And every time her head would move, she would, she would go unconscious. And uh, I put my ear as close to her mouth as I could so I could hear what she's saying. And she said, Billy, don't blame yourself, for we have done the will of God. But I am dying. I am dying. And that's when I seen a vision of the, of the saints here at home praying for us and I knew that she would live I asked the Lord I said Lord 
Don't take my beloved wife from me. I adore her. Don't take her away from me. And somehow the Lord gave me the confidence that she would live. But she was very sick. I set her in a Jeep, four-wheel drive Jeep. We had to travel for four hours. And I sat behind her and held her head in my hands because every time her head would move, she would go unconscious. And I got her to the city and we put her on a train to Jakarta and they had no Pullman, they had no beds, but they allowed me to put a blanket down on the floor between the seats. And I laid her on the floor between the seats. And then I flew her 2,000 miles to a seven-day Adventist hospital. They thought she had had a cerebral hemorrhage. And they examined her very carefully. And uh, finally, they came to me and said, What in the name of God have you people been doing? I said, Why? They said, your wife's blood and water has separated. And the blood is coming through the pores of the skin. And your wife is dying of a broken heart. There has been some among us. But there were so few that those that would pray have had to carry such massive loads that their health is broken and snapped. The scripture says that even the earth groaneth. You know why? Because we're not groaning. So that's the reason we're having the earthquakes and the hurricanes and the storms is because we're not groaning. So the earth has to groan. Amen. And there's young people here today. My wife will pray today. And her health has recovered. It has taken her many years to recover her health. And she will pray. But she cannot pray like she used to pray. Because her body will not tolerate it. But there's young men here today. And there's young women here. Your bodies are strong. Shirley needs somebody to take her place. Sister Mangan needs someone to help her take her place. And some of these other folks. And God is speaking to our hearts here today. God help the pastor that doesn't have somebody to intercede for him. God have mercy on you. That's all I know. Is God have mercy upon you if somebody doesn't care enough to pray intercessorily. Someone needs to be praying intercessorily for our general superintendent every single day. Somebody here in this audience is willing to do it. I want you to stand. Now listen to what I'm asking you to do. I want you to intercessorily pray consistently for our general superintendent. I want you to stand if you're willing to do that. Someone here, God bless you, one of our missionaries.
somebody needs to be praying for this man. He carries a tremendous load in this movement. His shoulders are not a little stooped accidentally, nor is this hair gray prematurely without cause. Somebody needs to be bearing this man up in intercession besides his family. Is someone here willing to stand and commit yourself? There you are. God bless you. Don't forget now, every day, Brother Tenney, and every pastor in this place, every pastor in this place needs somebody make an intercession for them. We've got enough critics. We've got enough people finding fault with every little thing we do. Every time the evangelist comes along, there's enough people to find fault with the little mistakes they might make. Just find fault with them and criticize them to the high heavens. Every breath they breathe. we got enough of that. But let me tell you, if we could get more of you making intercession for these preachers, you're going to hear better preaching. You're going to see better demonstration of the power of God. You're going to see greater revival and greater services. Now then, I know it's 3 o'clock already. But uh, it's not time for us to go yet. Is that all right? Now the Lord wants you to do something. We had a little prayer here a while ago. I want you to pray an intercessory prayer. And half of you, and I'm not saying this critically, but you have said to me in the spirit, Brother Cole, I want to pray an intercessory prayer, but I don't know how to do it. I'm going to help you do it. I'm going to help you do it. Praise the Lord. I'm going to help you do it. You start with worship. Anytime you come into the presence of the Lord, you always come into his presence with worship and praise. Come into his worship with worship and praise and adoring the Lord. Praise God. And then move into the dimension of tongues. Just start speaking with tongues. Now, you must understand that there are many dimensions of speaking with tongues. That's what happens a lot of times in services when someone speaks out and you think, oh, they've given a message and there is no interpretation. What happens a lot of times is people get inspired because of what the preacher has said or because of the song. And so they speak out. That's a tongue of inspiration. And when that happens, if you recognize it, just simply say, this person was inspired and in praising the Lord. Let's all praise the Lord and go ahead and have church. You don't have to fall apart when something like that happens. There's a tongue of a message. There's a tongue when there's a message. And it has a distinct different sound. It's just like uh, when a baby cries. You can't fool its mother. When that mother hears that baby cry, she can almost tell you exactly what has happened to that child. She can tell you if that child's hurt. She can tell you if that child is sick. She can tell you if that child is just having a temper tantrum and spoiled and wanting attention. 
she just knows it's all crying, but to the mother that has a sensitive, trained ear that cry, there are different cries. And so there are different tongues. And so when you start speaking with tongues, that is not intercession. In fact, you can intercede in your own language. Even in English, you can intercede. The problem is, when you speak in your own language, you're praying about your burden. And when you pray in the Spirit, in other tongues, you're praying about His burden. And they may not be the same burden. They may not be the same burden. And so, you have to let the tongues move deep into your spirit. Praise God. And it will move down. And then it must be associated with a tremendous compassion and burden for something. And when that burden merges with the tongues, it will go very deep into your spirit. And it will be like the travail of a woman with a child. It will actually, you will actually feel it in your body. There will be a contraction in your spirit that will have a physical effect on you. And when you do that, you are dealing with something that the Lord has commissioned you to do. And it's amazing what we can do in the spirit. I remember one time I was in near Washington, D.C., and I got a phone call from one of the members of my church, a sister. And she said, Brother Cole, my husband, and she called him by name. She said, my husband has been in intercession all day and through the night. And he has become very sick. And he has diarrhea severely. And he is vomiting. But he can't quit praying. I said to her, I don't know what he's got a hold of, but you can be sure that he's not praying about somebody's headache. This is a serious situation, and I will help him. I don't want to sound mystic to you, but you can join someone in prayer. I was hundreds of miles away, but I said, I will join him in prayer and help him with this situation, and I did. And a couple of hours later, I got the phone call. The burden has lifted. What did that man accomplish that day? I don't know. And neither do you. And neither does he. But he's insignificant. If I would call his name today, nobody here but three or four would know him. As far as you're concerned, he's a nobody. But I wonder what the Lord's going to tell him when he gets to heaven. I wonder what he has accomplished. I wonder what nation he has saved. <laughs> tremendous tool, tremendous tool that God has put to our hands. Praise the Lord. I want you to remain seated right where you're at. You keep telling us to get down on our knees. And when we do, all we can think about is our knees that are hurting. That's not scripture. Sit and pray. Hallelujah. You can sit right where you're at. And let's talk to God. 
Will you do it? And I'm going to come and help you. You intercessors. This church is full of them. You preachers that feel anointed of the Lord. I want you to move among the congregation. And lay your hands upon people. As the spirit of the Lord begins to move upon them. And we're going to help you to reach a depth of intercession. Let's reach it. Let's pray. Right now, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, speak to us just now, Lord. Touch our spirits. Our bodies are tired. We have sat here for six hours, Lord. But give us just a little taste. Give us a little taste. Give us just a little taste of the depth of intercession before we go today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's it. Now, move into the dimension of speaking with tongues begin speaking with tongues and let it associate let it merge with a burden many of you are already to that depth of intercession there are hundreds there are literally hundreds of you that have already reached the depth of intercession already praise be the name of the Lord now as that moves deep into your spirit let the burden let the tongues move very deep into your body and into your spirit. intercession already tune yourself in make yourself available say Lord I want to practice what they're talking about I want to experience that praise be the name you brethren please take your liberty brethren take your liberty you women take your liberty and go and minister to some of these you that are experienced intercessors move about lay your hands upon someone Lay your hands upon them and minister to them and help them to reach a depth of intercession right now. Praise be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. That's it. Just lay your hands upon someone right now. As you feel that of the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Now, we're going to move very quickly into another short video. This is shorter, about 10 or 12 minutes. 
Uh, it's a lot newer video, but it, it, it's much of the same where the preacher, Brother Clendice, will be giving uh, both instruction and concepts and teaching, and he'll also be, as Brother Cole was here, leading the church into doing that. So let's watch that now, Brother Terry. Who would God give the church if we got to praying for them? Who's waiting? Which one of your prodigals? Which one of your family members? Which one of your loved ones? If you're coming to this altar to pray, I want you to be praying for someone else. You call some names all over the congregation right now, where you're sitting or standing. This first prayer, I want you to call somebody's name to the Lord. Call somebody's name. Don't pray for yourself. Don't pray for me. Don't pray for this service. Do you love anybody enough to pray for them? Do you have a lost loved one? Do you have a lost family member? Come on. Moses prayed for Miriam because she was his sister. Moses loved her. you have. Think of everything you know to say. Come on, if you have a loved one, if they're in prison, pray for them. If they're drug addicted, pray for them. If they're living an immoral lifestyle, pray for them. You might be ashamed of them, but pray for them anyhow. I give you permission to love your prodigal. Love them. Love them. Love this lost world. Love this lost generation enough. God, I pray today for North America. I pray for every city and state. We have lost our way. We are killing our babies. We are leaving our prodigals behind. Call names. They're not praying. They don't even want to pray, but you do. They're not asking for God's mercy, but you can ask for it for them. They may be lost in sin, but they have an advantage. They have you. They have you. come up here. They have you. They have a praying church. They have a praying people. They have somebody to snatch them out of the claws of demonic possession. Devil, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. They have no authority over the devil, but you do. Satan, I bind you. I command
command you to leave them alone. I command you to flee from them. I intercede for my rebellious family. I pray in intercession for those that are walking wickedly. I intercede for our godless nation today. I intercede for America. God, get a hold of our lawmakers. Get a hold of our churches. Get a hold of the pastors of every denomination. Get a hold of the people, the Christian people that call themselves Christians from every denomination and faith. God, save us all. Have mercy on us, Lord, and send forth your spirit. Have mercy on us, God, and open up the windows of heaven. Send us a real revival. Send us the authentic book of Acts apostolic authority revival. God, send the angels to minister next to us and with us. Send angels around my family right now. Send angels around my sons, angels around their wives. I pray for my grandchildren that aren't even born yet. I pray for their children. I pray, God, come on, pray. Pray for the wives or the husbands your children are going to marry someday. Pray about everything. Okay, let me have your attention. I'm going to explain to you specifically how intercessory prayer operates. When you are praying for someone you love and care about, you only have so much emotion, so much vocabulary. You can only think of ways to speak their deliverance in so many dimensions. You do warfare, you plead the blood, you ask for mercy, you speak things into their lives. Once you have prayed through everything you know to pray, once you have loved as deeply as you can love, and hear me today, no matter how much someone has hurt you or shamed your family or how embarrassed you are, I'm telling you today, church, let's keep loving our lost loved ones. I give you permission to love them in spite of their sin. But once you've given all you have, you've got to get into the love of God. The Spirit maketh intercession because I want to remind you that He loves them more than you do. His love is as deep as Calvary's crimson flow. He took stripes because he loved them. He took the nails and the crown of thorns because he loved them. So you've got to get to this place where we begin the travail of the Spirit. We no longer have words. We no longer have emotions. We yield ourselves over to the love of God, which is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. I release you now to pray for those loved ones in the Holy Ghost. The love of God is coming into you. (laughs) 
Brother Walker and Sister Walker, if you would join me and my wife on the platform. Brother Walker and Sister Walker, come up here and pray with us as intercessors. Oh. Sister Wagner, would you come up here and join us as an intercessor? Come on, you got to get in the Holy Ghost here. We're going to be in miracles in a minute, but we're not even going to have to do much. Just come and stand with my wife over there, pray. God's calling intercessory ministries are being born. Some of you for the very first time, you're going to feel the love of God. You're going to feel the love of God. You're going to feel the pain of the nails, the pain of the stripes. Intercessor. It's the high calling of intercessory prayer. Cities are going to be won through intercession. Nations are going to be turned around through intercession. If you're praying in tongues, once you get off in the spirit, you may be praying for a missionary somewhere. You may be praying for a home missions pastor. You may be praying for a drug addict. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. Some drug addict with a gun to their head right now. I loose you in the name of Jesus. Don't do it. Be saved. Somebody's in an emergency. But there's prayer in the house of God. Somebody's in trouble. But prayer is going up. Prayer is being made. God breathe holy fire on every one of our churches all over California. Lord, we want real apostolic revival. We want the kind that comes by prayer and fast. If a new name comes to your mind, call that name. If you're out of names, if you're out of emotion, if you're out of ideas, let out a travail. Let a moaning and a groaning deep in the spirit.
This is what apostolic revival looks like. This is what apostolic revival feels like. The question, Calvary, is do we want it? To do it, to have it, apostolic revival where miracles take place and signs and wonders and people interrupt the service by running to the altar because the conviction is so deep in that place where your loved ones come back to God. All of those things that we think of as being a part of apostolic revival, that's only going to happen if we will decide we want to do what these people were doing in these two videos. The question is, do you want to do that? I want to. God wants to. Do you want to? And I'm not just talking about now. We can let the Spirit have its way now. I don't care what time it is. We are going to have to get to the point where we say, I don't care what time it is if we're going to have revival. I'm talking about not just tonight. I'm talking about a mindset and a spiritual place that we've got to reach if we're really going to be in the will of God for this church. Why don't we just, uh, just spend some time here tonight before we go in seeking after the Lord? You just, let, let's just continue this spirit of prayer that's come into this place. However you feel like doing it. The one thing I want you to remember and recognize from both of these videos was these people didn't care what time it was. The first one you heard, they had already sat there for six hours. But it looked like 99% of the people didn't care about that when it came time for intercessory prayer. They were ready to do what it takes to have revival. It's not something where we can, the preacher can preach and then we come up to the front when I give the altar call and you stay there 30 or 60 seconds and then I look up after 60 seconds and, and over half the congregation is standing here looking around. That's not revival. It's not going to bring revival. That's status quo. The question is, do you want to have revival, Calvary? You've got to make up your mind. I can't make it up for you. I've already made up my mind. There's a few people in this church that have already made that decision. They've made up their mind. But a vast majority, well over half of this church, has not reached that point yet. And, and they prove it by our Sunday services and how they act in them. And they prove it by their absence at Monday night prayer. And they prove it by all of the things that you and I both know show whether we want revival or not. I, I'm not bringing something new to you. You know what I'm talking about, and you know I'm telling you the truth. As Sister Edwards comes and begins to play, let's just, I, I want us to spend some time in prayer here tonight, and you do that however long you want to, and pray about whatever you want to pray about, whether you pray in the Spirit or pray in English. But let's just begin to, to, to feel after the Lord and say, God, would you put it in me? That's what's got to happen. Every person in this church has got to pray, God, do it in me. Change me. Make me to where I want it. I want revival. I want to see my loved ones saved. I want it so bad. I want this church filled with people seeking the, the, the Lord.
Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. I want this church to hear somebody get in the pulpit and announce this month we taught 45 Bible study, different people Bible studies this month. I I want us to hear somebody come to the pulpit and say, last month we had 72 receive the Holy Ghost and 94 were baptized in Jesus' name. If you want that with this pastor and the few that do, you're going to have to ask God to change you and make you really want it bad enough that you... Say, God, I will be involved. I will give myself to this thing called intercessory prayer in the Spirit. So let's just pray tonight. Let's just pray. See where the Spirit takes us. You pray right now and see where the Spirit of the Lord takes you in your conversation with Him. Those of you that have been praying in the Spirit, you just go right ahead and keep on. Some of you have already been praying intercessory prayer here tonight. Just keep on doing that for a while. Others who haven't participated in that, some here tonight who don't even know what it feels like or know what it's like to do it, they need to hear you doing it. They need to witness. Like we witnessed people doing it electronically on this video. There are people in this church that need to hear some of us doing it right here, live, in this church, in this building. So let's do that for a while, shall we? Let's do it. This altar is open. If you'd rather pray in the altar kneeling, I don't care if you kneel or sit or stand. But let's give ourselves to the Lord here tonight before we go. At least some. At least a little bit. Let's give ourselves to the Lord. Everybody in prayer tonight. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. Calvary Church is located at 406 North 44th Street in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Service times are Sunday school at 1 p.m. every Sunday, except the last Sunday of each month, and worship service at 2 p.m. Also, we have an all-church service at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Calvary Church is affiliated with the United Pentecostal Church International. Thank you, and have a blessed day.